0: everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation, this is your pal, Dane Alves, with another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show for new listeners in which we break down wrestling every Wednesday, 7pm EST, and I am of course joined by my wonderful co-host, Brother Christopher Ray Patton, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, whatever you want to call him. How's it going, Chris?
1: I'm doing great, man. Uh, Excited to talk about some wrestling with you as always popped open a beer, trying to get my computer to restart here, but uh outside that man everything's going well. It's been a busy ass week, but it, it kinda seems like it's always that way during the summer. How about you? How 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 have you been?
0: You know, I was sweating in a warehouse, then sweating in a truck with the AC that's broken, then sweating at the gym. And I came home and took a shower, of course, and now I'm on here in air conditioning. So I'm fine. But uh, as of beforehand yeah, I kind of wanted to punch. Um, I don't know, something, a wall, the maybe, sun. maybe, maybe, <laughs> the sun. Yeah, just punch the sun right in his stupid face. What a jerk! Well, it's like, um,
1: it's, like it's like the sun from Mario uh, Super Mario Brothers Two.
0: Oh my god, that the would angry, be a lot of fun. The angry sun. He probably. <laughs> He probably does look at me like that, that son of a bitch. And the worst thing, uh, this is a little inside inside pro wrestling with uh, my life. Uh, so there's a, our dumpster is right next to our warehouse in the back parking lot. So when it's really hot out and I live in Georgia, the friggin' you know, we have the doors open in the warehouse because we don't have any AC. Sometimes we get into like, I don't know, 110 in that thing. So I smelled hot garbage as well uh, all today. <laughs>
1: So, that sounds awesome.
0: <laughs> it's it's amazing. Uh, it's, it's a life, but uh, you know I love it. I, I do some cool things. I go golfing, and sometimes me and my wife go to uh, exotic islands. I don't do any of that, but that's okay. I'll figure. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> hope you guys are still here. If you're not, you know, whatever. You, you know the drill. Go to gvnation.com to find news information for all of our stuff as well as uh, links to our platforms for social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also we're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We are on um, the, the, what's the other one? The big one, Spotify. There you go. All you have to do is either search Geek Vibes Nation for all of our content, which I do Monday. Suck on Mondays. Had a cool interview with uh, Andy Signore this last Monday, very controversial concept, but uh, definitely go check it out if you want to. And, uh, you know, all of our other shows, which we got a million of them. So definitely check them out. You guys got all that information. I think I got everything out there. Um, I wanted to start the show a uh, little bit of actually extremely sad, uh, somber concept, because um, we didn't have a show last week, and uh, shortly after we lost Harley Race, um, the king of professional wrestling, a amazing legend. Um, Some would call and for, you know, I'm not part of the era in general, but I'm more, you know, I I know Ric Flair more so. The funny thing actually is I remember Harley Race for his WWE run and his feud with Haku when I was a kid. So actually, technically, I did get to know Harley Race before Ric Flair uh, because I was a WWE kid uh, growing up north in Massachusetts. Um, But regardless, he Mm. is what many consider the ultimate NWA champion. And uh, Ric Flair would say that, too. And a lot of people consider Rick. A lot of people consider Dusty that. A lot of people consider Terry Funk that. You know, there's, there's many people. But Harley Race was a tough man. He was a badass. Uh, if anyone's aspiring to be wrestling or if you love wrestling in general, I would definitely check out his um, – what, what, it, what, it, what it means to be a world champion promo that he has online, which is him and that beautiful NWA championship and uh, just, just gold, man, and just wrestling matches. Uh, Rick Flair said one time, and this back when Andre obviously was younger and much more agile than he did once his body started breaking down, that Harley held him in a suplex, a standing suplex, for crying out loud. The guy was strong as an ox. He was tough. Uh, when the business was not exposed back then, he would, he would beat people's asses uh, to prove that if wrestling was fake or not. That's just how he was, and there's not a lot of men like him nowadays. Period. Uh, he was also very nur- uh, nurturing, uh, you know, with his school. There's many people that, including people like uh, CM Punk and Nick Aldis and uh, Trevor Murdoch and and Tommaso Ciampa, that went to his facilities and may, you know, might have not had so much one-on-one with him in the ring as much as the trainers that he trained. Because he was getting older, obviously, but th- the amount of time that he got to spend with them and teach him his knowledge, it it helped a whole entire generation, a lot, a lot like the Funk's did, um, too. You know, so he's monumental when it comes to professional wrestling. I would definitely take um, advantage of the WWE network, especially with their new f- format. As much as it pisses me off that it won't continuously play throughout the night, so I can wake up and see Nitro or, or Raw on my TV screen instead of, like, a screen that says, hey, we're paused because it stops. You know, I can't I can't figure out. I just don't know how to work the settings. Either way, what I'm trying to say, i got to stop trying to be funny, but there's a lot of Harley <laughs> Race matches on there. I would recommend going to check them out. His work with Ric Flair, his work with Terry Funk. You can go on YouTube and find this stuff, too, for free as well. Uh, him and Hulk Hogan, I would even say, when they had their few – The man was a professor in the ring, and he was a man's man, and he was a tough man, but he was also an extremely giving man. And I appreciate you, Harley Race. Rest in peace, and I'll pass it to you, Chris, so you can say whatever you'd like to say about the king himself, Mr. Harley Race.
1: Obviously, this is a tough loss. One of my, definitely, you know, out of that era, he's probably up there as my favorite wrestlers from the 70s with (laughs) Terry Funk, Zory Funk, and and Harley Race. Those are three that have always stood out. And when I talk about all times and and make a top 25, those three always find their way into the list. Uh, I had the privilege to meet Harley Race back in 2012 at NWA Fan Fest. He was a super nice guy. Um, Seemed like he really, really liked and cared about the fans, which I appreciated. Uh, obviously, a tough son of a bitch, as we all know. There's plenty of stories. There's a uh, Harley race. Uh, he pulled a gun on Hogan. He had the he had a he got stabbed in Japan while protecting a female from a guy that was getting a bit aggressive. Uh, just known as a just a complete badass. And if if you just look at what he was able to accomplish in the wrestling world, I believe an eight-time NWA champion. He he broke the previous record of Luthez. Um, you know, obviously, Flair would go on to surpass that, but uh, he uh, he was just – he was great. All of those old NWA matches, I mean, there's three that I would probably recommend. Uh, 1973 versus Dory Funk, I believe that's his title win, um, his first title win later on, the 79, uh, him versus Dusty Rhodes. I believe that was in August at some point. And then, you know, the obligatory – Match what's considered, like I believe, was match of the year in '83, uh, the '83 Star King match against Ric Flair. That's one that I think everyone should check out. It's it's classic Rick, but it's also just shows you how great Harley was. Um, the build up to that too, I think you can find where they've cut it into uh, cut it into basically the all of the promos during that time period uh, where it's building up to him versus Ric Flair, and it's uh, I believe the storyline is where Harley is offering. $25,000 bounty to anyone that can take out Ric Flair so he doesn't have to deal with him, uh, which is pretty, pretty great. I believe Bob Orton's involved in that and some, and some other greats, but uh, obviously we lost a true legend. Uh, he, he, you know, not big, he just here, he was big in Japan and um, there's, you know, stories of him back in the day when he was a WA champion wrestling, basically three broadways and, in, in, I guess it was 48 hours. So one hell of a worker, uh, definitely we will be missed. And, uh, I don't know, man, I, I don't know what, what else to say. It's kind of sad to talk about, uh, obviously, you know, he was 70, uh, what, 77 years old, I want to say. So, you know, he lived a long life and, uh, definitely appreciated by the fans. And I think well-respected in, in the wrestling world in general. So rest in peace, uh, Harley Race. And like I said, you guys check out those matches, uh the the Dory Funk and the Terry Funk matches. Dory, Terry and Harley in Japan together. Dusty Rhodes, obviously, uh nineteen seventy nine Dusty Rhodes versus Harley. If you type that in the match I'm talking about probably will show up right off the bat in Daily Motion on YouTube and, and then obviously Star K nineteen eighty three, which you can definitely watch on the WWE network.
0: Yep, uh, So I'll give a 10-second salute uh, to both, of course, Harley Race and also any of the uh, tragic victims of the – I can't believe I'd say this – the last three shootings since our last show. So um, let me just do that now. All Um, right. Let's uh, move on um, to a story actually that's related to this that, you know, for all the stuff that that Vince McMahon gets a lot of crap for – Um, Trevor Murdoch brought it up on Facebook. Uh, His quote was, I just wanted to put this out there. Harley needed a transfer from Atlanta to St. Louis. He needed to take the med flight because he was in rough shape. Medicare wouldn't help him. Call was made to WWE and 10 minutes later, it was paid in full. Vince McMahon never blinked an eye. He wanted to make sure Harley was taken care of. And Sean Waltman uh, followed that up on uh, Xbox 360. I, I believe that Raj Giri said something about this too, that, like Sean said, I'm 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 not 100 percent sure, but from who I talked to, I'm almost 99.9 percent positive that that was Vince and completely out of his pocket. Basically, Harley was failing. Uh, they knew that he didn't have a lot of time, and his family wasn't going to be able to see him before he passed. So Vince was asked about it and made that decision. Now I'm going to go on and, and probably tear Vince a new a hole in certain situations later on. I always do and you know, it's a love hate relationship with me and Vince man. But I, I think that that's very telling of the integrity of Vince and how much he cares for the wrestling industry. And even if someone at first was a huge, you know, the, the big star of the opposite corporation that you were trying to rival, you still respect him and you still helped him out. And this goes back to many times where he puts people that like Jeff Jarrett, like people that have really gone against him back to rehab, gave him jobs. So, you know, for all the negative stuff that you hear about Vince McMahon, it's nice hearing stories like this. Chris, did you hear about this, and do you have any uh, statements towards it?
1: I did. I, I thought it was. Uh, I, I got the actual Facebook post pulled up here where Trevor he basically just said, "I uh, and I quote, I just wanted to put this out there. Harley needed to be transferred from Atlanta to St. Louis. He needed to take a med flight because he was in rough shape. Medicare wouldn't help him. A call was made to WWE, and ten minutes later, it was paid in full." Vince never blinked an eye. He wanted to make sure Harley was taken care of. Thank you, Vince. He gave me two more days with Harley, which I thought was a really sweet post. And it is good um, to see some positive things be said about Vince every once in a while. He's a great wrestling mind. And, and like you said, uh, 100% like it's we bash Vince all the time, and, and that's not going to change. But it's it's not because of Vince the person necessarily as much as how Vince is currently running his company. I think that he's done a lot of good for a lot of people. I mean, if you look at all the people that he's tried to help through rehabs and and some and some things like this here and there, um, it's good to just see something positive come out of out of all of this. And I, I thought that was a uh, that was really nice on Trevor Murdoch's post to at least make that post and, and you know say thank you publicly and, and get that out there for everyone to hear. Yeah, that definitely was, and I'm sure
0: that Vince would not have been the person to try to even take any type of – like he wouldn't want anyone even saying that he did that, but – it's nice to know, um, you know, you, you get this concept in your head and I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's this cor- big corporate guy in the, in the stories with, with several wrestlers, but there's always like, you know, they talk about doesn't matter if it's Dean Ambrose or whoever leaves the company, how like they'll, they'll be together in one last conversation, they'll both end up crying. Like you never think that Vince is that emotional because we kind of attach him to that character that he portrayed and yes, he has very a lot of aspects of being this man's man, kind of, you know, arrogant, uh a billionaire, like that whole concept is there, but also I think there is that layer of uh, you know, I don't know. He's he's like Walt Disney in a way, kind of, for me at least. It's just and I'm I'm sure to you to an extent too, he's a content creator, that's bigger than life, but Obviously, there's more there. There's actually a human side, and it's kind of hard for anyone to perceive that, especially since he's done a lot of fucked-up shit. So, you know, teach their own. Just thought that was a cool story. Um, let's move on to a fun subject. Uh, Chris, what the fuck is going on with – with? Uh, Mr. Uh, Matt Riddle, Uh, it seems like Matt's just trying to take on all the WCW All-Stars. He said that he would like to do somewhat of like a gauntlet match on Raw where he takes on Booker (laughs) T and he takes on uh, Diamond. – we're just going to throw DDP in there, Goldberg, Chris Jericho, and Lance Storm, which I don't usually consider a WCW guy. It's usually ECW at least, but um, either way, man, he's starting fights with everyone. Jericho's swinging back. Uh, I thought Jericho's answer to Matt Riddle literally threatening to kick his ass in person, uh, very funny. He basically – it it all started – I don't really know. Oh, yeah, it started basically because Matt was criticizing Goldberg's horrible match in Saudi Arabia and was like, ugh, why is he coming back? And somehow, you know, I think it's because WWE sees potential. It's like Velveteen Dream where these guys, for some reason, don't get in trouble – uh, very much like people like Becky and stuff like that. Like either they know it's a part of the act or they let them kind of have a little more leeway than other people on uh, Twitter. But just going after Goldberg and just, just – I mean we have already know that he wants to retire. His his goal is to retire Brock Lesnar, which is an awesome goal, and I would love for that to actually happen. But to say that statement with Brock Lesnar being someone that's legitimate and it's, it's, it, Matt Riddle is fucking awesome. But, yeah, he did – he kind of, like, let Goldberg have it. Chris Jericho's had problems and got into a physical altercation with Brock Lesnar, but also with Goldberg, you know, came up and was like, hey, man, blah, 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 blah. And it it kind of went, you know, fuck off sort of. And then Lance Storm started analyzing it, and then Booker T made comments about, you know – I don't know if he said he's never been impressed by his work, but just criticizing his work rate. Uh, basically, and telling him to chill the fuck out. And so he got all of this, and instead of, like, bowing down and apologizing, he just turned it up on the oven to fucking 10 and let that shit flame out. And <laughs> he threatened to kick Chris Jericho's ass, said, you know, landstorm. one time I fell asleep at one of uh, of your seminars that you did at my wrestling camp. You're so fucking boring. You were the last concert of entertainment. doesn't matter how great you were in the ring, because that's not going to get you. Like, going really deep, going after Goldberg again. And then it gets to Booker, and he's like, Booker, look, man, I like you. But, you know, I think if you watch my uh, matches, I think you'd understand I'm a pretty good worker. So Chris Jericho does the first video that Matt Riddle does where he just stares out the camera and kind of like, you know, just shakes his head in aggravation, but does his stupid face at the end of it. And, uh, yeah, that was Jericho's – that was Jericho's response to it. Like, you know, and the thing is, if all people, I understand Matt Riddle's ex-MMA, and nothing's going to happen between the two of these because they're professionals and this is all just fun shit for us fans. That's, there's a little bit there. It's kind of like Seth Rollins' loss well, for shit. There's a little bit there, but it's, it's more just let's take advantage of this and let's, let's, let's be in the fucking spotlight. And Chris Jericho's legitimately, he's a, he's a fuck, His that was a professional hockey player. He's a tough-ass motherfucker. He's gotten Goldberg's face. He's gotten in Brock Lesnar's face. He's gotten Scott Hall's face. He's gotten in Triple H's face. Shoot, wise, like he's had a confrontation with all of them and told them to fuck off and suck, you know, nose to nose. I'm sure that wasn't hard with Triple H, but you know, when it comes to Brock Lesnar, like, hey, what the fuck did you just do? What, what did you just do to Randy Orton? That's 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 ballsy, man. Like, but either way, you've seen all this stuff. I know that I'm reiterating it probably terribly with the actual tweets themselves, but. When do you think we'll see Matt Riddle and Chris Jericho square off in the uh UFC?
1: <laughs> Probably never. In the G1. In the G1, yeah. When uh Riddle gets out of his WWE contract or gets fired. <laughs> I mean, I th- I think this is awesome, right? Riddle is obviously taking this and turning it up and and getting himself over with it and keeping his name out there and he's kind of playing a heel on TV right now, so him insulting these legends makes sense. Um, you know, what he said about Goldberg, apparently that's how he just doesn't like Goldberg uh, and doesn't appreciate Goldberg's in-ring work. And uh, to uh, to most extent, I don't either outside of Goldberg's initial run where he was just killing geeks. I think that's the only good way. Those are the only good Goldberg matches in general. Like I can't think of a Goldberg match that went over like four minutes. That was good. And uh, that's coming from a guy who watched WCW uh, During Goldberg's prime But uh, yeah I mean I, It would be amazing to see those two square off Obviously uh, Jericho probably Would get worked pretty hard In that scenario But uh, you know He he made those comments about Goldberg And then every legend Came out pretty much And, and said he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about um, I don't know you know, I, I, it's – I would say that he doesn't know what he's talking about, but I tend to agree with him that Goldberg is uh, overrated. I wouldn't go as far to say some of the things that he said about Goldberg, but it, it, in, in any case, this has been entertaining, and I uh, hope hope he keeps it up. I I, I don't know how WWE <laughs> feels about too. it, but the King of Bros attacking legends on <laughs> on Twitter has been pretty funny. I mean, there's certain legends he won't
0: attack. That's because he respects them. But, yeah, he doesn't really – It's it's dude, Matt Riddle, I'm telling you, man, I think both me and you have said this. Him and Velveteen Dream are going to be two of the biggest stars once they make it on the main roster. Just overall, like, he's not anything, like, too special that we haven't seen. But, uh, like, well, gimmick-wise, I should say, the whole bro concept. But his in-ring work, his intensity – all of it together, packaged, the whole flip flop fucking shit. It doesn't matter. Like, come on, we just have to have. Obviously, this means that Matt Riddle and Goldberg are going to go at it WrestleMania this year, and he's going to retire Goldberg, and then that will be it. <laughs> you know?
1: Well, I'm That's hoping, what they're building I'm up two people. Well, we, we, haven't <laughs> we haven't gotten our predictions out. We haven't gotten our predictions out for SummerSlam, and that'll be happening. But I think. Uh, some other man might be taking out Goldberg sooner rather than later. So I don't know that Riddle's going to get a chance. Oh, God damn it. I just,
0: I just heard his theme music in my head and I got mad. Um, I'm here to shut up! Come on! Uh, Sorry. Sorry about that, guys. If that peaked I, I will. I will really apologize. Uh,
1: <laughs> I will say, like, part of the reason I don't think the bro gimmick is, is, uh, working to, as, as far as, like you said, it's not, like, a huge a huge deal as far as his gimmick goes. But I think part of that is they're not letting him turn it all the way up. Like, the way he's he is on Twitter and when he threw, the ba- like, the baseball out at that <laughs> Tampa Bay game recently <laughs> and cross, cross-bodied mascot, like, I think they should let Matt Riddle just turn it up to, like, 11 and do the, what he was doing when he was in Evolve. Like, let him be the king of bros. Like, if Make sure if that you everyone don't like calls me. Like, I don't, bros.
0: <laughs> like if you don't like me, I don't give a shit. Kind of like something that I mean Shawn Michaels had in the nineties at some point. Rob Van Dam, who shares a lot of similarities to Matt Riddle had at one point. Like, kinda go not, not Rob Van Dam so much WWE, but more so E C W, like the whole effing show. Like, I don't give a shit if you don't like me, but I'm so fucking cool you're gonna like me. That's what I want out of Matt
1: Riddle, basically. Yeah, and that's, like, that's more a, of what he was like in a ball. The they I mean I, I think he works better as a heel, but he's I mean he's gonna get over with the crowd no matter what. I, I just think they need to let him yep. turn his shit up to like eleven. Uh but his in ring work I think is personally great. Uh I don't know what Lance Storm saw that I didn't saw. I I I, I uh highly respect Lance Storm. Hell of a wrestler and I thought his uh his late 99 WCW run and his early ECW stuff was pretty fucking great. So I I have nothing negative to say about Lance, but uh, I I think Matt Riddle is one of the most entertaining people in WWE right now, as far as what he does in the ring. Yep. And the fact, his style just looks fucking different. Like it's, I I don't know. I I really enjoyed that match he had with Gulak. I thought that was one of the best matches I've seen outside of G1 in the past. If you take out Gargano and, Oh, they did. That's Cole, obviously. Well, Carcano and Cole—that's well, that, uh first one. Well, if you look outside of, uh, you know, uh, Gabadu
0: and Shamaka back in '92 at the Olympics,
1: <laughs> 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 Gab- Gabadu and Shamaka—I remember them from the first UFC. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. Heard- I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, you know I love Dave Metzler, too, but I've got to with Shamaka. God damn
0: it. I'm sorry, Chris. But I, Take it away. Yeah,
1: you're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, I thought that match he had with Gulak was, like, one of the better matches I've seen in, in WWE. I guess that's technically evolved, but, I mean, they're both WWE guys, so I'd just call a spade a spade, so to speak, on that one.
0: Yep. Well... I love Matt Riddle, and the King of Bros will continue to do what he does. So let's uh, actually talk about not so much something that he's a part of. Um, now that I'm looking at the card, wow, I can't believe it. But, uh, you know, we got, we got NXT Toronto coming up Saturday night, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it more than SummerSlam. I will say that because that's usually how it works out. But this time I'm actually looking forward to the WWE pay-per-view as well as the, uh, the NXT takeover, which does not always happen. Um, I I will say I like Mania, you know, I'm not, I'm trying to like hate too much, but I'm just, you know, just being real with you. And uh, yeah, Matt Riddle's not on here, which I did not expect to happen, but then I guess I've been watching NXT. They didn't really set up anything. I think it's because he's going to take, there's going to be certain people I feel after this that are going to go bye-bye just because they've been there. They, unless, unless NXT does become its own brand, then they might keep them around. But couple in particular, but we'll get into that. We'll go to the first match, which is going to be, I think, a sleeper hit. I really do. And that is Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai. Singles match. They finally started pumping up Candice, giving her a lot more to do than just being Johnny's, you know, wife uh, within a storyline. Like, she's a badass, accomplished wrestler. Some of the stuff that I've seen with her is the reason why I know that Joey Ryan's more than dick flips, uh, because they've had a tag team. I forgot what it's called, but it was in PWG and some some other matches I've seen uh, on the interwebs. Uh, but Io Shirai, her heel turn, has been actually awesome. Like, you know, I guess they just had too many concepts of these, like, really, really over-the-top baby face female Asian wrestlers, so they did something different with her, and I like it. The facial expressions, the way she talks to the crowd – like she's gotten extremely aggressive. Depending on what they do with the Shayna Baszler thing, she has potential to be a great heel NXT champion and a good heel going into the main roster uh, that will separate herself. So between the two, I feel like unfortunately Eo needs the uh, the win because uh, she lost obviously to Shayna that caused her to have the heel turn uh, with Candice LeRae coming to help her and then she just beat the sh- uh, Candice causing this. But uh you know I think it's going to be a damn good match. I think Io Shirai is going to win. There could be something that she does to win because she is now a heel uh to give you know feed the feud, go forward and have a reason why Candice didn't come out on top. Uh Chris, what do you think is uh, going to happen with this first match
1: between Candice Lorraine and Io Shirai? <laughs> Uh, I I tend to agree agree with you. I think this is gonna this is gonna be a really good opening match. It could be a sleeper hit of the show. Um, it's been a while since I've seen Candice wrestle, but I am looking forward to it. Uh, I haven't. I'm not caught up on NXT as far as the weekly shows go, uh, so I don't know if she's been wrestling there. But last time I saw her, I believe was some PWG stuff, like you like you noted. Um, but yeah, Io Shirai's heel turn has been great. I think she works better as a heel. In the American market, especially on NXT, and uh, I was so excited when she first got there, and I'm glad that she's finally getting to where I thought she could be. Uh, I obviously she was fucking phenomenal in Japan, so I think the, you know the more they give her, the the better things are going to get. And, and honestly, uh, Baszler needs to go uh, to the main roster, right? I mean, someone's got to take on Becky yeah. if they're going to. Keep push, pushing Becky. She needs a legitimate opponent. Nia's gone for like five more months. <clears throat> Charlotte is technically, I mean, I guess she would be next in line for Bailey based on what they did on SmackDown. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. That's it. It's interesting to think about the, the, the female roster on NXT because I don't know how they're going to shift things around. But having uh, Shirai as, as probably your next in line for champion is not a bad thing at all. No,
0: not at all. And honestly, I'll just say it right now. I mean, we're going to go into detail of the matches, but I feel like most of the people that are champions, or not all of them, but anyone that's involved in a championship match, the loser's probably going up to Maine. I could see Shayna Baszler going up to Maine. I could see Velveteen Dream. I Really, my my big prediction is that, at the end of this, uh, the Undisputed Era will be draped in gold. They've been saying they're going to do that. I think it would be kind of cheap if they didn't end up like paying off that, because they're the heels. I mean, they're like a horseman type of concept. That seems like a great payoff, so... I, I feel like Roderick Strong's going to go over both Velveteen Dream and Pete Dunne. I could see Velveteen Dr- Dream going up to Maine. Uh, they could use a big star to kind of start building within him. Street Profits have already been on Raw and have had nothing to do besides being the fucking. What, what, what the hell was it in theater? Like the people that told the story that was going on, like the Greek choir, you know what I'm saying? That would come out and elaborate on everything. And they're funny. And they're entertaining, but they're not actually wrestling. And they're the champions of NXT. It's very weird. Put it on the Undisputed Era. And Adam Cole needs to beat Johnny Crybaby. And I called that at the NXT show. And people got mad at me for calling him a, a Johnny Crybaby. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Undisputed Era for life. Anyways, Chris, do you agree with that assessment? <laughs> like, there's a good chance a lot of these losers of the championship matches are probably going elsewhere. I, well, with some unless them, it becomes uh, its own
1: brand, I, that's that's where I'm kind of curious on what they're going to do because it, all signs are pointing to this thing is probably going to be its own brand with a weekly show, be it taped or live. That that kind of seems to be where NXT is headed. So I don't know that you're, they're going to purge all of their champions. Um, Velveteen Dream I think is going to stick around just because I, I see him feuding with Matt Riddle. Honestly, I think that's probably, I mean, they kind of had, they had that one match and I'm sure that they're going to do more with that, that does, especially with Matt playing up the heel a little bit more. I could see Gargano if, you know, if he loses, I could see him going up. I don't know what they would do with him on main. That's, I mean, that's the big question is they don't, they're right now they're still trying to build Mustafa Ali. They're trying to build up Alistair Black. They're, doing a really good job of getting Bray over. <clears throat> they have a lot of pots, like, on the fire or kettles kettles on the stove or whatever um, on the main roster. So I don't know that I would be super stoked about <laughs> going up right now in, in general.
0: Yeah, it, it's just a weird concept to ponder because if they become their own brand, then I can see a lot of these guys staying. But I feel like specifically uh, when it comes to Street Profits and Velveteen Dream – well, maybe I shouldn't say that. Shayna Baszler is someone they could actually use. Like They could actually use Shayna Baszler. Velveteen Dream, if I know Triple H, he said a million times, said it on the investor calls. He's money. He knows he is. So I'm pretty sure Vince would know that this could be potential, and Street Profits have literally been on Raw. So unless they – like I said, they do the Greek, Greek choir thing with them.
2: Uh, yeah, was I mean, another street. one. It's like,
0: what do you do? Do you street. do you put him on two hundred five live? Like that? That would be such a downgrade for Johnny.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, well, right now they have Buddy Murphy, who just he's been in one thing in the past like four months since he got called up from two hundred five live. He also got you know what I mean, like Roman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so his like if I'm in NXT and I think they might be having a show or uh, I'm Sammy Zayn, <laughs> I might be trying to stay in NXT or get sent to NXT <laughs> right now. Uh, uh, the one that makes the most sense to me is Baszler, just because I, I don't think they're yeah. going to stop pushing Becky anytime soon. I don't think Natalia is going to win the title, and she needs an opponent. And uh, that one probably makes the most sense. And uh, who knows? So, I mean, they could build up to her versus Ronda, uh, Becky versus Ronda part two, so to speak, if Ronda that, does that... decide to come back.
0: Ronda could make an appearance at Summerslam. I'm not. I'm not completely going that out of my head, but I really think that if you don't have Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler is the next best person to have Samoa Joe the shit out of Becky. Basically, like completely go after her, start choking her out, call her out. Ronda's my friend. I'm going to destroy you. You didn't beat shit. You know, just use all of that. Um, I, I, but so, I, so I'm assuming I, I, you, you, you can give me give me your answer for that. But also, just kind of like keep on. With this thing, do you, does that mean that you think Mia Yim is going to beat Shayna Baszler? I think that she's a great rising star, but I don't know necessarily if she's if if she's been there long enough. Like I feel like they would have given that to Bianca basically, but I could be wrong.
1: I have no. Idea. I mean, it just it it just depends because like I I, I doubt that they're going to do more with Natalia, and you just had Alexa win the tag titles. And yep. uh, right now, I, I just don't see them putting Charlotte versus Becky right now in the middle of the year coming out of SummerSlam. I just don't see them doing that, especially because if you watch that, um, the tag match basically just setting up Becky and, and uh, setting up that feud for SummerSlam with her and Natalia. to me, Charlotte was, like, the best person in that match.
0: <laughs> and we, had,
1: we hadn't really seen her in the ring in a while, and I think the fans have uh, – kind of gotten over the fact that she got inserted into that wrestlemania match which took totally isn't her fucking fault like the booking um but I don't, like I, want, Williams, I
2: don't know
1: that i want i don't know that i want becky and and charlotte because one i don't think it it, it doesn't help either of them um right now I, I think that's a match you build up to and and outside of that man i can't really think i guess you could I mean cuz what are you going to do with Ember but Ember's already in a title match at SummerSlam but outside of that I don't I don't know unless you're going to split up Asuka and Carrie Zane like that like Baylor actually makes the most sense so while it would be weird that she lost to Mia it also you know we're also talking about the main roster making any fucking sense and for all I know <laughs> <laughs> for all I know, Natalia will win, and Lacey Evans will come back, and they'll do Lacey versus Natalia. <laughs> like, I don't fucking know. Oh, my God. I would assume if, if you're keeping the belt on Becky until you have a big opponent for her, I, I would assume that the route you go is, is you would bring up Basler. And she's been there forever, so, you know, it's not going to hurt her to lose that title at this point. No, and
0: I think Mia Yim's a great person to put it on. She's a great baby face, and then Bianca can go against her. They've already started that type of seed anyways. I think that's the best way to go. Um it's just it's a it's it's very interesting, uh, you know, with the climate being the way it is, of where certain people are gonna end up or if they're gonna end up like this next one. Like I said, I really feel like Roderick Strong's going to beat Velveteen Dream. He's probably gonna pin Dream because I don't think they're gonna put one over on Pete Dunn. Who knows? Maybe maybe Dunn eats the pin. But I like that Pete Dunn's now specifically back to NXT. I kind of think that he's also someone that could definitely transition and try out Maine. But then again, you see what the hell's happened with the Viking Raiders. I think that's their name. That could be not their name. I don't remember. And it gets you a little bit scared to try that out. So uh, there's that. But NXT, North American Championship. I think Roderick's going to get this. I really do. I, like I said, I think Undisputed Era, gra- draped in gold.
1: Uh, Chris, who do you have in this match? I just think that you – I don't know. I almost say that, you know, Velveteen Dream retains. I just think that there's more that they can do with him there right now, and I don't think they're super stoked about putting him on the main roster at this very moment. So I would probably have him retain. But the Roderick Strong winning makes sense too. And then maybe you move Velveteen from there up to – you know, the heavyweight title again. I mean, that's a possibility as well.
0: Well, yeah, and I'll I'll even go into saying that Velveteen Dream has... He has an advantage because two of his best matches, one was with Aleister Black, one was with Adam Cole. He lost both those matches. And he's someone that's so over with the crowd and such a personality, I don't even think it matters if he loses his title. He can still technically be in NXT afterwards. And like you said and suggested... Uh, I don't know how you do this, kind of like how Samoa Joe just did this, but, like, I don't know how you lose the the mid-card title and go, hey, I want the big one. So maybe it's some type of screwery. Maybe Velveteen Dream doesn't lose the belt. He's actually on the outside. He doesn't – he has nothing to do with the pin. Uh, And then they can go from there to put him back in the main champion because it would be great to see probably arguably one of the best characters they've built, you know, win the actual main fucking title before he goes to main,
1: you know? (laughs) Yeah and I mean the other thing is you still have the aspect of the undisputed error so you could build him up that way where he's taking on those guys and then it ends up getting a match against Adam Cole or something uh if they end up yep. keep you know, putting that belt on Cole still Yeah so I that's think a there's a ways good to get, there's ways to get there just because of who the you know because of who who's in undisputed error and who's in this match I think there's ways to get there and you could also build it you know to the Almost where your uh, your characters are kind of doing, I, I don't know. I, I, basically, you're setting up a feud between the whole stable, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, that's, I mean, that, that's also another interesting
0: route to go as well. Uh, then the, do we get the next match, which it's Angelo Dawkins, Montez Ford, Street Profits going against the Undisputed Eric, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Like I said, my scenario, which maybe it's too on the nose, Undisputed Arrow wins, they're draped in gold. Street Profits have, like I said, also been on Raw, so who knows what they end up doing with them. I actually personally think that they are great, and I like that Angelo Dawkins getting a little bit more to say on the mic, because Montez Ford's already over as far as his charisma goes, what I think most fans and stuff and his performance within the ring. Um but you know, <sighs> I think they could actually use more time in NXT. I I think that they're actually a newer tag team. They just got the belts. Uh, Even if they lose the belts, I think that they should try to grow a little bit uh, within NXT. They're pretty new to it, but who knows? Maybe they can just put them up there. Hey, isn't it weird, Chris, that uh, Booker T is a Montez Ford fan? Isn't that crazy?
1: (laughs) That's absolutely insane, man. I can't believe they would do that. I uh, actually agree with you on this. I think... I think that the, you just leave it on the free profits right now because they're already on Raw. They're getting exposure. People tend to like them. And uh, I don't know. The tag division is kind of weird on Raw anyways. So it's not going to hurt them to season with those belts a little bit longer and still make their weekly appearances on Raw. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah, so, so the championship match. Sorry, I just had a brain fart. It's crazy. It did not smell, if anyone was wondering. Um, we have Adam Cole, Bebe, versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championship. Two out of three falls. First match is... ah oh, man. I can't remember. <laughs> I know William Regal's coming up with a third stipulation. I think he's, like, throwing it down tonight, so I won't find out. But I think the first match is a street fight, and the second match is a submission match. I don't remember. Something. No, I think the first match is a normal match. Johnny's is a street fight, and I'm assuming William Regal's going to make them do a submission match. Uh, I don't know. Either way, it's going to be an awesome match. These guys have incredible chemistry. I mean, god dang, man. Uh, The way they built Adam Cole is pretty damn incredible. And I don't know if they meant to be, but then again, think about the minds creatively involved between William Regal, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, like, I th- they've built Adam Cole within the Undisputed Era like he is kind of like 80s Ric Flair, man. Like, he's got his his crew of guys. He's the coolest dude on the damn planet. He's a traveling champion now. He does what he wants. You know, he goes on his – he's even shown his private, like, you know, aircraft and stuff like that, taking him from place to place. That's how he's bragging. Even, even – uh, and this will be a bit of a stretch, but if you look at his feuds, too, within NXT, he came in. He had his first big feud. He lost but he got knocked around by this tough guy covered in tattoos. You know, I'm not saying Alistair Black and Harley Race have that much in common, but there's that. Uh, then their next one was a dream. You know, you had the Velveteen Dream and, and and Dusty Rose. Realistically, it more builds off with Ricochet. Very much him, him and uh, – had like a steamboat-style concept between their two matches, and I think they were part of like a five-man for the North American title. And then you have him – With Johnny, and Johnny is kind of like his sting, like, you know, he's this intense baby face that has, like, that dark side that's a little crazy in the head. But, you know, Adam Cole is fucking awesome, and I really – and I always say this, and I hate to be this person. Hope he doesn't get lost in translation if the Undisputed Era or him just by himself, which is terrifying to think of, makes a jump to main. Either way, Adam Cole, baby. Sorry, Johnny. I love Johnny Gargano, all the stuff that even that I was saying – was, was more joking than anything at the house show, but Johnny failure. You're losing. You're not going to get the fucking title. Sorry. <laughs> and, if Tommaso, and if if the rumor is that Tommaso Ciampa is coming back soon, uh, that he's making a really speedy, speedy recovery, like within the next sub, couple months, I could see Johnny staying for a little while longer in XT to finish that feud. Who knows? I don't know. Either way, Chris, who is going to have the NXT World Heavyweight belt after this two-out-of-three match?
1: Johnny Gargano or Adam Cole, baby? Well, I mean, is Gargano and Ciampa still feuding? Because weren't they teaming on Raw right before he got hurt or left? do Like I a don't DIY, know, DIY again?
2: I think Vince <laughs> I mean, wrote
1: that part. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I mean, they also had Ricochet and Aleister teaming together, so who the fuck knows, but... I, hopefully everyone's memory is so short they just remember the NXT stuff and you can't get one more match out of it. But the 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 one thing I don't like about this match is I feel like a lot of Gargano's big matches have been street fights, and I was kind of hoping they would have done something a little more interesting, like maybe a like a cage match for the last finish or like a Hell in a Cell or something, just a little different uh, for one of those you know random best two out of threes. I actually think that uh, I'm kind of on the same page as you. I think Adam Cole wins. I think there's more interesting matches you could have with him. You know, him versus Velveteen or him versus Riddle or I, I, him having the belt, I think is a good thing. And if, How about him if you can also get Pete the belt Jones. on, that would be awesome. I think, you know, coming out of, uh, out of that way match is a good setup for whoever they want to go, go next. Even if you have Roderick win now you have two titles on the undisputed air, and, you know, multiple ways to get those different opponents for those two champions. And I think, you know, Gargano can kind of take a little bit of a backseat until, you know, the next thing comes up for him, whatever that might be.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting, man. And this is going to be a damn good pay-per-view. I, I love NXT. I'm sure, you know, I have a lot of hope for AEW. I love, uh, I mean, I watched triple may this last week and that was fucking just fun. I, it, it was something. It was. It was always something. It's gotten progressively better every year uh, since I, the three years ago when I first watched it. And I told Chris, I was like, What? What the fuck is this Triple Mania thing? I think it was like the day after it came out, Chris. And you were like, Oh, that's blah blah blah. And I was,
1: This is crazy. Yeah, and it, and smashed that, didn't in that, someone's face. Didn't I have Sexy Star like shooting on Rosemary yes. at some point? That was the one three years ago.
0: That was the first one that I watched where that happened. Holy crap. And then this one, the production rate was a hell of a lot better. Well, we can go into it a little bit, you know, just kind of talk about, cause AEW, this will be kind of our coverage, uh, for AEW. Then we'll go into G1. We'll kind of go into SummerSlam predictions after that. Uh, but triple mania, very interesting stuff, guys. I would definitely check it out. I think that they probably, because of AEW, I'm assuming had amazing numbers on Twitch since they show the thing for free. um, I'm looking at the first couple of matches and they were just interesting because I don't know a lot of the wrestlers. Like besides the second match that had um, Sammy Guevara and Scarlett Bordeaux on a tag team, which was kind of cool, and God, Scarlett Bardot was just absolutely um, just astounding. That's all. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um,
2: <laughs> uh,
0: I think it's Hamburger Boy is is the way that one of them translates, and Big Mommy, yeah, you know Hamburger Stop, sa- Hamburger. Humbukasa? I'm going to ask
1: Raphael how to say that tomorrow and he's going to tell me I'm stupid for
0: saying it the way I just did.
1: He's the uh he's the lucha version of cheeseburger from Ring of Honor apparently. Well, they should have a match, man, because I think he could th- I think he could eat cheeseburger.
0: He really could. Um next match, I don't really Let's just get to the stuff that actually, you know, is 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 pretty nifty. There was a good Battle Royal it was fun. There's a lot of names that you would know if you watched it too. Uh, Aerostar did the the stunt of stunts. Aerostar, I, I'm pretty sure that we reported not so long ago that he almost died from jumping from one of his crazy-ass dives, but you know, or he could have because of it. This one, he literally came out of the ceiling. And I was wondering, I was like, if Aerostar's going to be in this, he's going to do some stupid jump. He literally started out with a giant jump. So Aerostar, king of the sky, uh, they had uh, the La Parca, not LA park. He would come with his son and his uncle, I believe at the end of it, all mafia style and beat the shit out of, uh, out of, uh, Pagano, who was the winner of it. Chess man. Who's, uh, looks like, uh, Wolfpack sting. That's how I know him. Puma King, who just, he looks very uncomfortable in his costume. Completely. Vampiro was in it. Conan was in it. Uh, the ladies match, I think was an awesome match. Uh, Chris, he, I forgot what the lady's name is. I think it was uh, Lahedra La was, was who it is. She's the one that Tessa Blanchard pushed off the top rope, and she fell. Uh, and She was supposed to go through a table, and she just fell right on the back of her neck and her head, and they got ambulances to come out. Like, I can't I, – I really could not tell in that crazy-ass match if it was a shoot. Tessa Blanchard's now the uh, AAA uh, women's champion. She beat Lady Shawnee. Um, uh, Fabi Apache um, I can't remember what the hell her name is Chick Tormenta and, um, and Taya Valkyrie uh, was in that match uh, to win that uh, which is interesting because she's Impact and AAA has a relationship with Impact MLW and AEW but I don't know what really is going to end up mattering but did you think that that chick like the, the blonde luchador uh, girl did, that she got destroyed at that point and <laughs> what did you think about this match because it was pretty brutal and uh, they got thumbtacks out. It was like nothing. It was like, let's just keep on destroying each other. And I thought it was pretty awesome. And Tesla won. So, fuck.
1: I thought it was a really fun match, especially for being how short it was. They got a lot of shit in. Yeah. In um, like a 10-minute match, uh, which a lot of these lucha matches are shorter than, you know, kind of what we're used to with with Japan and, and AEW, obviously, and, and even some of the NXT pay-per-views where the, the matches are a bit longer. Uh, but this thing was like full speed the entire time, and it's a fucking tables, ladders, and chairs match, and people are just flying everywhere. Uh, Tess is an absolute monster, and it's crazy to me that WWE slept on her. Like, that that's insane to me because they could totally. First Jericho's use like number Tesla one right pick. Now.
0: Outside of AEW is Tessa Blanchard. He said, I know she's in a contract, but if I were to pick any female, and I would definitely put her in my top five for AEW, yeah. for any company, really. She's
1: fucking incredible. Yeah, and, and that, that, uh, was it La, is it, I'm gonna fucking slaughter this because I'm terrible with Spanish names. Uh, is it La Lahedra. La Hedra, or, Yeah, La Hedra. The, That sounds right. Sure, why not? Yeah, so she fucking, that was an accident. So that
0: was a shoot. Oh. <laughs>
1: um, from, from every interview, well, from everyone, you know, all the, all the respectable podcasters besides me and you out there who reported on this said that that was a, uh, that was definitely a fuck up and that she was ambulanced and is apparently doing okay, but we haven't gotten really any more information than I'm aware of uh, since that pay-per-view on the third. So that was a, that was a nuts, Jesus. that was a crazy ass match for 10 minutes. Like. Uh, that if you're going to watch one on this, unless you just have a, a strange curiosity about you know Kane Velasquez, I, I would say that that would probably be one of the more fun matches on this card. And or the last one, actually. holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, that's what I was going to say. That that I think when we originally talked about this, I picked that as match of the night uh, was going to be match of the night, which I kind of I kind of felt like it did, but I'm I'm a big Dr. Wagner Jr. Mark, anyways, so. He's, he's amazing, man.
0: All right, so we got uh, Psycho Clown, Cody Rose, Cain Velasquez against Texcano Jr., Toros, and Killer Cross. Killer Cross, one of my favorite heels in Impact. God, I wish that guy – I mean, I like Impact, I do, but someone could be utilizing him. He just comes off – he kind of reminds me of Psycho Sid in a way with his facial expression, just extremely scary, intimidating – like he's got something wrong in his head, but I love how he's still playing a little bit of chicken shit heel. Like he'd never get in the, the, uh, the ring with Cain Velasquez, cause I'm tagging out. Cain Velasquez really impressed me. And honestly, this match was for me to see if that guy could translate. And I should stop doubting MMA fighters because a lot of them end up becoming pretty suitable wrestling hands. It just, if you look at it, Matt Riddle, uh, uh, Whatchamacallit, uh, Filthy Tom Lawler, uh, you know, Ken Shamrock, obviously, Dan Severin, um, Don, oh, man, I can't remember his name. He looks just like Dan Severin, but not really. Don, John Fry, you know, there's plenty in the past. Ronda Rousey, that just translate really well from the world of MMA to to wrestling. And he had a dude, he was doing flying head scissors, and, and he was awesome, man. And I really yeah. hope that AEW tries to make a relationship with them I thought it was a good match, and Cody Rhodes looked great. Yeah, nothing else that special by it, but Kane Velasquez, like you said, Chris, the curiosity factor—it was there. I thought that you know it might have been a short showing, but I think we'll see more of him, and that was a good first-time showing. Kind of like Ronda when she teamed with Kurt Angle against Triple H and Stephanie, if that makes sense.
1: I, yeah, and I will say this about Kane: the, the thing that impressed me the most is that he didn't just rely on using MMA shit.
2: Um yeah, and he wore a mask too. Like,
1: yeah, he seems like he super wants to be a luchador. Like he's taking the shit very seriously and, and you know, he's a freak of an athlete anyways. So I I was very impressed. I you know I I know a lot of people were kind of upset that he was wearing a mask or or whatever. Like some people were like, "Well, you'd be more over without the mask on." But I, you know, people still know it's Cain Velasquez. I kind of liked the mask. Yeah, and I kind and I like that he's doing lucha shit. I mean, you know, it is a lucha show, but I, I honestly expected him to do what every other UFC guy has done. There's going to be some belly to belly suplexes, maybe you know a German, um, some submissions. But like, you know, focus on the things that they already know how to do with having a you know, an amateur wrestling and in fighting background. But he came out there and he was like, "No, fuck it, dude. We're gonna do Hurricane We're <laughs> we're gonna wrestle yeah. lucha." And I I really appreciate that. Like, because I mean, you're coming into Triple Mania. You're you know, Triple A, um, probably their biggest event. Um, and it would have that could have been the easy route for him just to do MMA type stuff, and it would have been just as over. But I I actually was really surprised, at like happily surprised. I will say that he didn't do that and kind of lean more towards Lutzer. So if you were a Cain Velasquez fan and you want to see him, you know, do some do some Mil Mortes type shit, I, this was a uh, this would be the match for you. And also, I like Psycho Clown a lot. Oh. I think uh, he's got a cool gimmick going on right now, and and the mask is pretty awesome. Not as good as Bray's clown mask, but pre- pretty damn good. Well,
0: dude, now you just put like a freaking dream match in my head. I have to see El Macias, aka a- 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 Mil Martez, go against freaking Cain Velasquez. I need that match now. Luchador <laughs> Cain Velasquez. Anyone bitching about that? I'm sure. I'm sorry that he's embracing lucha libre and his heritage and shit. Fucking whiny ass bitches. Well, I, think,
2: I, I don't know, know who it is. But, he's got a bullhead.
1: Well, to me, that's the cool. It's that. That's the cool thing about it is that you know as yeah. much as props as as as. You know, because everyone gave Rhonda some, some uh, such heavy praise when she came back and, and was wearing the Piper jacket, and she's always talked about how much she's loved wrestling and stuff. Well, this is the same thing with Kane Velasquez. She just into like lucha wrestling, and I think that's fucking awesome. You know, it's a it's a like Stephen Amell. He's not a fucking trained wrestler, but when he had those two matches, he poured his heart into it, and like that shows your love of wrestling, and that to me goes a long way into making absolutely you a, a good wrestler. I, I look forward to seeing more Kane Velasquez. I think he's a he's gonna be very interesting um, to watch in AAA to see where they go from here. But that's I mean that's fucking awesome. And you know if you do end up doing something with AEW just for even short term, you could do Kane versus Luchasaurus, which would be fucking awesome.
0: <laughs> oh wow! God, I'm just telling you, man. AEW for the concept of them working with AAA with that thing and if they can maybe, maybe get some type of thing going with New Japan. If, could you imagine if we could actually have, like, a match with people like Kenny Omega, Jon Moxley, potentially CM Punk, potentially Kazuchika Okada, Kane Velasquez, like, what the fuck, man? Pinch me. I know it's not going yeah. <laughs> to happen probably that exact standard, but it's a possibility still. Like, it's it's not like that's not impossible now. Like, fuck. Yeah. I mean, it really
1: just depends on what AEW wants to do. I I hope that they do work out a relationship with AAA, similar to what Impact has, um, where they can bring guys in. Well, they
0: they have something going on already. I want them to to focus on Japan. But then again, obviously, that's going to be hard because of Ring of Honor. And, well, let's just face it, from what the Jackson say, I I don't think that New Japan is very happy about AEW, even though they're like, yeah, yeah, you're doing great.
1: they kind of burn it's kind of like it apparently burns Yeah, it's kind of like
0: it uh, your buddy starts dating your ex-girlfriend. You're like, "Yeah, man, that's cool. You can do that." And then they're like in front of you and you're like, "This is fucking terrible." Why'd I say this? It, like
1: and that's why- the other thing is like even if you you get a working relationship with New Japan, it's Japan is going to want the Omega mega match in in Japan. Like yes. that, I think that would be the only thing that would really sell it. And they're not going to send fucking Okada over there to lose in AEW. Like that. Nope. (laughs) That shit's not going to happen. So, like, maybe you could get, like, NATO or, um, you know, someone that's not Okada to come in and do some matches with New Japan. But, like, I just don't see that they're going to trust AEW enough to send Okada over there, especially with kind of how that that whole thing shook out with pretty much everyone losing and Scroll's not really that heavily involved in New Japan anymore. It's just pretty much focused only on Ring of Honor. Um, I mean, they lost like six wrestlers that they were pushing. If you really think about it,
0: yeah, man. And dude, Okada, man, he's some different level, man. He's like, when it when it comes to like the concept of kayfabe, when it comes to like him just being unbeatable, he's like '80s Hulk Hogan, man. Like, fuck, he doesn't even need the tan yeah. skin that's like leather.
1: And it's like, would you even? I mean, would you want to bring in Okada if you already know going in that he can't lose? You know, you run into that situation that you ran into with uh, Neville, where <laughs> Neville yeah. doesn't really lose until he drops the title. Like Okada's they're not going to let Okada lose okay. in America on AEW's TV. Like, in so land. there's things about the in New land. Japan relationship would be great, but unless they do like a go ahead.
0: Well, no, and I was just thinking because you're very right about this. I don't get me wrong. But unless they give him another Japanese person, you know, to come over and feud partially with, or he's losing to someone in some type of manner like Kenny, or I'm trying to think of someone else that's gone against him. Chris Jericho wouldn't be that bad. Uh, he could beat the crap out of a lot of their big guys, like uh, like a Pentagon. You can put him in a feud with like that and be like, one of A's biggest wrestlers in Mexico versus Japan's, blah, 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 blah. And then he wins – so there is a way to go about it, still make him look like a badass, but New Japan would want him to be pretty fucking dominant. And trade Z's is scary when it's like New J- Japan, Japan, and the US. They're they're very far away. I don't know if anyone
1: realizes that. So I, I get what you're saying completely. I mean, I would. I, you know, the other thing, if you're gonna do it, if they can work out a relationship, just do it as a a one-off pay-per-view. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Sure. Like,
0: let let us let us take Okada for a little while. You guys keep Kenny for like a month, but after that, how about we get Minoru Suzuki for like a fucking like six months with the, in a program? How about we take Minoru? How about that? Can we have him Ishii? <laughs> let's bring him over. We'll make we'll make we'll make Ishii the fucking AEW champion because I love I wonder, that. CEO. I wonder how
1: happy happy Suzuki would be to work in <laughs> work an American schedule for. Someone's going to shoot, get their ass beat, probably.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it would be awesome because TMZ would fucking videotape it and we get to see the footage. It would be so awesome. God.
1: It would be awesome. We're such Suzuki Marks on this show. (laughs) God, he's awesome.
0: Hey, you know what needs to happen before he retires? We need to get Dr. Wagner Jr. against Minoru Suzuki. I think that would be a wacky, fun match. That'd be fucking
1: awesome. I wonder if they have ever. I'm gonna Google this right now while you set up the next uh, next thing. Yeah, I just
0: wanted to go over the uh, the ending matches. Uh, the The later Kid and uh, Lucha uh, Bros versus the Elite. I'll say this is a, this is a good match. They got one up on them since they just lost in the last pay per view where the Elite won against Larry Kid and Lucha Bros. I thought it was a good match. It's the same stuff I've seen a lot of them do a lot, and it's kind of like. The relationship between the Lucha Brothers and and uh, the Jacksons, as good as it is, it's kind of similar to the New Day and the Usos always having tag matches. After a while, you see the same spot. It gets a bit old. I thought it was a fine match. I think the one they just did before that was better. Not a big deal. Still a good about, almost 20-minute match. And like I said, Lucha Bros got one over. And uh, Kenny uh, afterwards... Came up to Phoenix. I thought he was going to start more shit with Pentagon because I thought they're pushing for that later on. Uh, Pentagon and Kenny feud once the television stuff starts, uh, but he went actually after Phoenix and called him out for the Mega Championship, which I realize wasn't defended at Triple Mania in his Triple A's Heavyweight Championship that Phoenix is the champion of. Whatever, hey man. It's yeah, AAA. I mean that's that's yeah, Triple Mania.
1: I was going to say, Lucha's just... I mean, they gave you a hair versus a uh, mask match, so that's like, you know, in in the Lucha world, that is bigger deal than the title in a lot of ways, especially that's like, in those two That's like the Undertaker games, so. match. Yeah, yeah so, it's, you know, they just put that on last and didn't worry about the title. And, I, you know, I think that in AEW, they are going to go Pentagon versus Kenny. But it doesn't matter because that's AEW, and this is AAA, so they're probably going to, you know... That's probably a deal they have worked out with AAA where Kenny can beat Pentagon, but then when he goes to AAA, he's going to lose against Phoenix. That would be my guess on how that that will shake out. God, but
0: it would it would be cool to see Kenny with that damn championship. That would be and not to be hey, I'm how many people has won AAA and New Japan's top heavyweight championship? I mean, obviously WWE's another one, but those are like the two biggest promotions outside of those places, you know, as, as far as reach, if you will. Um, it's probably not going to happen. I'm not going to get my hopes up, but that would be neat. Uh, all right. Yeah, so yeah would, like you said, Blue Demon cool Jr., thing. Dr. Wagner Jr., mask versus hair. Dr. Wagner has now lost his mask and lost his hair. Bloody-ass match, so bloody that I'm pretty sure a majority of the blood that was on Dr. Wagner actually belonged to Blue Demon Jr., uh, um, uh, that was that was like a Hulk Hogan blade job. Like they were like Eddie Guerrero against JBL in the cage blade job. He was gushing blood all over everywhere. Apparently, I think he went up to one of the guys on the ringside. I'm assuming that's like, I I, I don't know exactly, but like, and was making sure that it wasn't pulsating too bad. And then they they cleared him and let them keep on going. That's ridiculous. Um. Well, I'm glad that Lou Demon Jr. didn't bleed out. Uh, but, yeah, what, what do you
1: what, what do you think about that match? This was a fun old-school match with Double Juice. It wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. Um, I thought it was fun. You know, it's, it's not – obviously, both of these guys are older. This is towards the end of – probably towards the end of their careers, I would think. But I, I thought this was a really good match, and uh, – didn't wasn't this also like if if dr wagner lost he couldn't wrestle ever again or whatever like he had to retire as well there wasn't there an ex, extra stip on this
0: i'm so confused because i think someone came out and i don't remember who exactly right now to challenge him at the end for the end of next year but la park challenged him to this match last triple mania at the end of it and it ended up being blue demon against him and la park just came out mafia style and beat the crap it, it's, it's, AAA, you know? it's it's triple a you know it's triple mania
1: <laughs> yeah i mean uh, well, well we'll move along because i'm i i know that dr wagner's got some other dates coming up so <laughs> maybe i was wrong on that stip um but yeah i mean the matches i would recommend watching out of this obviously is probably you know blue demon jr versus dr wagner i thought that was a lot of fun um, the Tessa match, just because it was fucking insane that they did all that in ten minutes, and uh, obviously I, I, I was pretty hyped on uh, Cain Velasquez, Cody and Psycho Clown as a team. I, I thought that was a, that was really fun, and and also Killer Cross does have kind of a Psycho Sid thing going. I thought that was a pretty good comparison on your part. Thank you, I appreciate that. I try sometimes. I think about these ways. <laughs>
0: Uh, marijuana might have something to do with that. I don't know. Anyways, uh, yeah, but let's go from Mexico and uh, go overseas to a place that we we're talking about with New Japan. Yeah, you know, bring us up to date a little bit, uh, smarten us up on the G1 tournament. I've tried to be good about it. There's, I think you, we're on night 15 coming up, so I definitely know that I'm extremely behind because I'm pretty sure I was watching stuff from night eight. So fuck my life. Chris, you've been keeping up with a lot of the majority of the big matches. Uh, Clue us in on some of the bigger matches, and kind of like we'll bounce off uh, some of them. Uh, Hopefully I've seen them. If not, I'll pretend that I did.
1: Well, uh, we'll start with – let's just start with the point standing. Let's let's go there, right? Um, Right now the A block is kind of down to just Okada and Kota Ibushi, so it looks like that's going to be your final. I think that could go either way. Uh, as far as who you who who would win. My prediction originally was abushi versus NATO in the final and then I kind of switched it to Okada because it just it seems like they're not wanting to do NATO versus Ibushi right now in that scenario. The weirder thing which was kind of surprising is the B block, which is completely up in the air. Right now Yano could actually actually <laughs> if some other people loses, he technically has a shot. <laughs> <laughs> to be in the final. So uh, the B-Block has been a little what? weird, but it's had some really good matches out of it. Yeah, Yano is sitting at six points. He's tied with Juice Robinson, and Moxley only has yeah, ten sh- points. So He should go <laughs> against that burger dude in Mexico. I want to see that match. <laughs> I mean, I, right now, you know, Nato and Ishii are tied. I'm assuming that Ishii's probably going to catch a loss. I think that he's kind of been the MVP of the the B-Block um, so far, he's had some great matches. The Moxley-Ishii match was, was fucking amazing. Um, actually, all of the Moxley matches thus far have been from uh, scaling from amazing to at least entertaining. Um, the Yano match I thought was pretty entertaining with him. But, yeah, right now the B block is up in the air. Obviously, they're keeping Moxley strong. I'm assuming it's going to end up being either Nato versus Okada or Nato versus Ibushi. And uh, that's kind of where we sit with the – with a points championship, if we get Okada versus NATO, you have your IWGP heavyweight champion versus the IWGP intercontinental champion, and for the first time in, in a real long time, I think that we talked about this last time, we were talking about G1. I believe Muda was the last person to do it. I could be wrong on that, but you could actually have your heavyweight champion win the G1, and they love Okada breaking records, so I'm still leaning towards Okada winning this thing and then them trying to build, you know, towards Tokyo Dome in a different way. Maybe, uh, you know, at that point, if Okada wins, he gets to pick his opponent. So you could even go like Will Ospreay if you wanted to do that, or you could... He he basically could pick anyone he wanted. Hell, if they if he was able to, and, and you know, if they, Kenny Omega still has dates, he could come out and say that, you know, Kenny Omega beat him. So he wants to go against Kenny Omega at Tokyo Dome. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that's opens up a lot of opportunities for really good Tokyo Dome, especially because it's a two day show this year. Um, so yeah, I'm still sticking with Okada for the win, but uh, we'll get into some of my favorite matches thus far through this tournament. And, And I guess I'll – I know we've kind of talked about them in the past, but it's kind of hard to know where we left off. I think we got to like night three. Does that sound right?
0: Yeah, it was two weeks ago, so I think it was – no, maybe night three, night four. I don't remember. Yeah, sure. Okay. All righty. So basically, like I said, man, I mean, good comparison to Okada. Okada is fucking Hulk Hogan in, in fucking 86 basically. Like he's he's unstoppable, he's untouchable. No one could fucking beat him, and he's also like Ric Flair in in, 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 in the eighties as well because he's actually like this this wrestling machine that can fucking have matches with anyone for a long periods of time. He is the hybrid of the
1: greatest. He's the greatest. I mean, who's better than Kazuchika Okada, Chris? I don't know man. Uh, I guess the only person as far as you know modern new Japan goes that would even come close would be you know Tanahashi. And then outside of Tanahashi you have to kind of go back to Chono um in recent memory for anyone that's even close to to what Okada has accomplished and I mean this man held the title for like 800 days or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh and or, and or like holding his like Masawa yeah. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Like he, he's it's Okada never has a bad match. Like, <laughs> and most of his matches are, you know, four stars or above, um, sometimes shooting to seven stars <laughs> depending on who his opponent is. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's get into this thing. And we're, we're I'm going to start with uh block B July 15th. Uh, this is the, this would be night five, I believe. No night. This would be night four. Um Highlights of that, uh, Tai Chi versus Naito. Uh, tai Chi beat Nai- uh, Naito here. And um, probably the, the, you know, the two matches I would suggest watching out of the block would be Ishii, who uh, defeated Jay White. I thought that was a really, really good match. Like I said, Ishii's kind of been my MVP of the B block. And uh, Moxley defeated Jeff Cobb, which was also a really, really fun match. Like both of those matches would be the two I would recommend um, from the July 15th show. Uh, in the B block, did you get it? Did you get a chance to check either one of those out?
0: I, I got a chance to watch Moxley and Cobb. I want to say I watched the other one, but I don't know if I actually watched it or if I was trying to watch it when I was passing out, and you know how that works. So, but yeah, I do okay. remember seeing John Moxley and uh, Jeff Cobb, and they be- they just beat the living shit out of each other. Moxley is one hell of a tough son of a bitch. I have to say that. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Um, night five was a little less interesting. Uh probably the match of the night there was one I know that we've talked about kind of in passing. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but it was a, a bushy versus Will Ospreay, which was fucking phenomenal. Definitely the highlight of that night. They
0: did yes. everything.
1: Um very actually a safer match from what we're used to with Coda and Osprey. Dude, so I was the about to say hurt. the same
0: thing. Chris, and what I loved about that match is it proved that those two guys don't have to kill themselves to that extent to have a great match. Like that ending with the kick in the back of the head or the elbow in the back of the head. Like, you know, it's it was a it was better than their other match and it was it was safer. Yeah, I'll, that I agree with you completely.
1: So yeah, and in the, the the most impressive thing was both of these guys were fucking injured going into this match. Kota sprained his ankle really really bad. And Osprey had that – they didn't even know if he was going to be able to make this match because he had a uh, neck stinger, which is not good, um, for a couple days uh, coming in. And, and that was where the tweet where he said uh, – you know, came out and basically said, death keeps trying to touch me, but I'm avoiding it. Uh, basically, I, I, he, I don't know the direct quote right offhand, but – yeah, then he comes out and he has this fucking amazing match and, and definitely one to watch out of this entire show that, or out, out of the entire tournament thus far with Coda versus Osprey. Um, great match. Just everything you would want to see out of those two guys. Will Osprey has been on absolute fire lately, uh, especially coming out of super juniors. I'm surprised that he hasn't done better in this tournament. And I, I don't know what they're planning on doing with him in the future, but I think he's definitely... Uh, Can fill that void that Kenny Omega left if, if utilized right, and they definitely need to get him higher up on the card, more towards the heavyweights, um, and kind of away from the super juniors at this point. Because I, I think that he has proven that he is ready to to be going up against some of the big, the, the bigger guys, the top guys you know, in this company by just having these quality matches. Absolutely, Next, I completely agree with you. Night six. I'm just gonna pick one match and go. That way we don't get hung up too too much. This is the Moxley Ishii night. Uh, absolutely phenomenal match. If, if you need to know anything yep. about this match, Ishi went off the top rope. <laughs> so <laughs> any match where Ishi goes sale to the to me, top
0: and it completely got me <laughs> I,
1: was, I popped so fucking hard that Ishi go on top rope. Uh, Moxley uh, won the, won the match itself, and I thought that was you know. Obviously, at the up until this point, Moxley is undefeated in the tournament. Um, it was great. There, there's uh, not 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 much more I can say about that from from uh, night six. But I definitely really liked that match. There was some other stuff that was was good. Nathan versus, uh, versus Taichi was pretty good. But uh, yeah, if you're just gonna watch one match from night six, Moxley versus Jeff Cobb, or not Moxley, uh, Moxley versus uh, Ishii was, was definitely the one to watch. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, night seven, obviously the highlight of this, Will Ospreay continues his good streak uh, against Kazuchika Okada. I thought that was the match of the night. They, As they always do, they had one hell of a fucking match. And um, it just kind of makes me a little sad because I, I, I really wanted Ospreay to win Super Juniors and win the G1, which would be absolutely insane and, and push him into that. Echelon, so that we get the big Tokyo Dome match with him versus Okada. But yeah, it was great overall. You had tons of uh, Oz cutters reversed and or shots. You know, tons of Osprey going for the Ozcutter cutter and getting cut off. You get, you know, the perfect drop kick from Okada as always. You get three rainmakers. It's it everything that you would want out of those two. Um in one of my favorite matches of the tournament. It's definitely in the top five so far. But yeah, that's that's definitely one to check out if you haven't seen that. And that takes us up to July twenty fourth. And uh out of out of that, probably Na Naito versus uh Ishii. Like I said, Ishii has just been on a fucking roll. Yep in in this tournament. Um I would say if you're gonna watch one other match, Jay White versus Jeff Cobb was actually really, really good too. Jay White's kind of have been st- having good matches i just know that a lot of people aren't huge jay white fans it's kind of either you love him or absolutely hate him i think he's a really good in-ring worker i just uh i don't necessarily care for the gimmick as much and he does rely on a lot of like outside interference and stuff in his matches but yeah he he had a really good match with jeff cobb but the the match of that night definitely nato versus Ishii for july 24th that would be I believe night eight. I'm probably going to lose track of these eight, these uh, nights as far as the numbers go, but I'll give you the dates um, as we go along here. And we're, we're catching up, so comments? we're almost, yeah, sure. Before,
0: before you keep on going, I've dude, Will Osprey and Kazuchika Okada tore that shit up, man. That was ugh, both those guys are just on a different level. Like I said, if if I'm joking and saying like you know, Okada's like the hybrid. Of of 80s flair and 80s Hogan, and it's like Will Osprey's like the the hybrid of Okada and Omega is like sweat child from the first fucking Russell Kingdom that they went against or something <laughs> like crazy. Yeah.
1: I could definitely see that <laughs> for sure. It's formed like Terminator. Actually,
0: I'm pretty sure Will Osprey was on that card as well, so maybe not. But still, I'm just saying it could have.
1: <laughs> um july 27th i wasn't a huge fan of uh, a lot of these matches um i guess if i was going to pick one probably okada versus kenta i thought that was a pretty good match kenta was booked very strong going into this he was undefeated um up until this point where he went against okada and it was a pretty good match it wasn't as good as i expected it to be because i thought kenta has been pretty good in this tournament and, and has been booked very strong but they didn't they didn't necessarily have the chemistry that i thought they would um but it was still a good match overall. Definitely one to check out. Did you uh, did you get a chance to watch that one by chance?
0: I I saw some highlights over it. I didn't watch it overall, but I was looking forward to it. Um, but, yeah, that's one of the ones I definitely want to check out to get caught up on uh, going forward. I'm assuming it was a lot of Kenta coming at Okada full speed with strikes and Okada evading him, probably getting caught up a bit, and then Okada does his comeback and takes out Kenta at the end.
1: Pretty much you pretty much nailed it on the head. But it was it was a pretty good uh overall match. I'm glad to see Kenta has kind of gotten back into the groove for sure because I know a lot of people were worried after his run in uh run in NXT. So we're gonna I'm gonna give you the final two nights and my highlights from theirs. Uh I'm I, I'm caught basically I'm caught up to the August first show, so I don't want to go past there. Uh but yeah, July twenty eighth. Uh, the match of the night for me on this one would be Moxley versus Naito. I thought that was, was really good. Probably followed closely by Cobb uh, versus Taichi. Um
0: And then July 30th, uh, which was the last show that I watched, the A-block. Uh,
1: I thought out of all of these, probably – well, obviously, never mind. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Will Ospreay. Sabre Jr. picks up the win here via submission. It was a just brutal. Beating the shit out of each other, lots of submission attempts, lots of good chain wrestling. Every like I've said this multiple times, but exactly what you would think a, a Sabre Jr. versus Osprey match would would be. I'm kind of surprised Sabre Jr. won, um, just because Will Osprey seems like he's taken a bunch of losses in this tournament, unfortunately. But yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at right now. And and obviously in the A block, Kazuchika Okada is leading with 14 points, probably going to end up in the finals against Kota Ibushi, like I said earlier, and. And uh you know in the B block I'm I'm thinking it's going to be Nato is going to sneak his way in and probably end up going against John Moxley in that final to set up you know whatever the the tournament tournament final final is the the actual G1 match itself for the briefcase which like I said I'm I'm still leaning towards Okada versus Nato as far as that goes. Oh man that's that's awesome.
0: Uh I love the way that you set up the ending of that. I kind of hope it goes that way as well. I will say that, um, oh man, I, I thought about one of the matches and now I can't remember which one it was. Oh, John Moxley versus Tetsuya Naito. I, I saw some of the highlights on that. I love John Moxley in the press interviews afterwards. He is fucking hilarious. Uh, his one with Ishii was funny as crap, it, just his reactions. Uh, I love that. I said this to you, actually. It's like it, Moxley can play, man. It, he's not. Like a lot of people compare him to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, there's a little bit of aspects that even he and, and Austin have pointed out and similarities. But Austin wouldn't, uh, you know, he wouldn't talk up an opponent and make him like look like that much of a badass. Like, you know, he'd be much more straightforward and stuff. This guy sucks and blah blah blah, and he's a piece of crap. You know, that that would be it. Where Moxley, after though comes out and he's still hanging out with Red Shoes' uh, son beat up and he's been like his little buddy is Robin who's even like made like Twitter posts for him. Like just so funny. The way that they've done that, really, really great. Uh should be hyped up a little bit more, but you know, it's 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 different the way New Japan does it. Uh but dude, he was like, that guy's fucking crazy. Like what is wrong with that guy? <laughs> Talking about the show, And I was crying. Like just laughing my ass off because those guys have to have beat the living crap out of each other. There is absolute it's Piper versus Funk, man. It's it's just crazy chaos just coming swinging. So I'm definitely looking forward to actually seeing the full match from start to finish on that one once I go back and watch my greatest hits. But also, Will Osprey's Zach Faber Jr. sounds awesome, man. It's like a friggin' it's like a Viper – Snake going against a Falcon. Like how the hell does that work out? You know? Jeez.
1: It was it was amazing. It's definitely one worth watching for sure. And uh just before we go out, I do want to say Yano has been very, very good this tournament and his matches have been very, very entertaining, where in the past those were kinda of ones that I would skip. But uh speaking of Moxley out of the Yano matches, and Yano has had some pretty good ones, believe it or not. I thought the uh Yano nice, Moxley match was was pretty great, but uh, Naito and and Yon with the ref spot was also pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, man, good stuff. Love the G1. All right, well, now that we're moving back over here to America, uh, we're going to go to – where is SummerSlam? Is it in Philly? No, 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 it's in Toronto, actually. We're going to the great up north, so we're not in America. Well, we are in North America, but we're not in the United States of America, so let me clarify that. SummerSlam 2019. Dave, this thing was so big at one point. They were like, well, we got to put some of the matches on SmackDown. So that's why we got Aleister Black with that awkward promo uh, going against Sami Zayn. Do you think Aleister Black wants to go back to NXT sometimes? He's like, God, it's like one week he'll be like, yeah, I'm doing really good. This is really, really good. This is great. And the next week it's like,
1: what the fuck did I just do? Like, I feel like that has to be in a lot of wrestlers' heads, especially uh, Bobby Roode. I mean, if anyone from that match wants to go back to NXT, it's probably Sami Zayn because they've fucking buried <laughs> that guy since he came back.
2: Touche. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good i
1: I, will, I actually liked that promo with him coming because he's going to do the entrance no matter what. They seem set on that. And I like that he just cut the promo. Sammy acted surprised and then he just kicked, kicked Sammy's ass in what I thought was a good little, not a squash match, but essentially a squash match. <laughs> um, well, that was a good little match, especially for how short it was. I think it was only like you know, six minutes with a two-minute commercial break in the middle of it or some shit, and, and they did pretty good overall. But I, I didn't mind that promo as much as some of the other ones he's had. Yeah,
0: I was more just giving him shit. Another guy that apparently trained a little bit at Harley school and put some stuff on a, a Twitter, weird. Another man's man, badass, from a different era, but covered in tattoos. Oh, I just looks cool.
1: Before we leave the Alistair Black thing, I loved when he lifted uh, Sammy up with his boot before hitting the Black match. I love it when he does that. Like it, Sammy is like struggling. Sammy sold it so fucking well. Like Sammy's ain't so great, and it sucks that he's booked the way he is. But I mean, if you're gonna have someone do a job, to Aleister, that that was probably a good choice. You've had him and Cesaro, and both of those have been pretty good matches. I kind of wish they would have given us a full length on the pay per view and cut something else out, like I don't know, Ziggler versus Goldberg. Or something, but you know, whatever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, do you think with Alistair just going forward though? Real quick, before we we move on to the uh, the the main matches themselves, I think that if they're not going to go with Ali versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the IC title, I think that the 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 knockout artist, or whatever the hell they call him, the King of Strong Style, I should say that his kicking and striking probably would blend well with Aleister Black, and eventually having Alistair Black have the IC title wouldn't be a bad touch.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a perfect matchup. They could both just do striking and it will look more believable than a lot of other Nakamura matches. Um, though I did think the last Nakamura, was it him versus Balor? I thought the last two matches that Nakamura had with Balor were actually pretty good. And maybe he just needs more rest now, but um God, I just... I, don't, I hate that they call him the artist. Just call him the fucking King of Strong Style. Like, that nickname is so Dude, much better so awesome. than the artist. <laughs> so dumb.
0: Alright, well, who is not an artist is AJ Styles, and uh... Oh, wait, actually, I'm forgetting the Cruiserweight match. This is not in any order, but cruiserweights usually on the pre-show, so I'll start off with that, and then we'll just go up from the list I have in front of me from Uproxx. Thanks, Uprox. Uh Cruiserweight championship match. We got... Drew Gulak going against Oni Lorcan. Oni won the four man on 205 Alive. Drew Gulak, awesome wrestler. Love his work. Oni Lorcan is a savage. He's a small, stocky, bald, white dude who's from Boston and just beats people up. And I loved him in a tag team uh, when he's on NXT um, with, I can't remember his name for the life of me. They'll come to me. Uh, and I really like him in two of five live as a singles wrestler. He's a badass, but drew Gulak's going to win. He's going to retain this championship. I think they should leave it on drew for a little while. I just think that drew brings some prestige. He, he really has a credibility of being a demon type concept and he's better on the mic. Uh, he's, he's actually really good on the mic. Uh, so, I kind of would like to see him, and they've kind of played with it by having him in the background of people on the main roster with Buddy Murphy and Cedric and Ali and stuff like that. He's definitely someone that could make that jump, I think, very easily. But keep the belt on him for a little while. Chris, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would keep the belt on Gulak. I think he's had some really good matches recently, specifically the one with Riddle I thought was pretty fucking great. And I'm sure that this match with Oni Larkin will be a we're going to whoop each other's asses for – Six minutes and get her shit in and have a good little cruiserweight match like they always have on the pre-show. Um, they need to start putting that like in the middle of the show, just because whatever match happens after that on the pre-show, no one gives a shit about. Like almost guaranteed. I mean, it sucks that the cruiserweight guys get put on the pre-show so much in general, but like, you know, when we when we have that lull, you have like they're going to start it out. You'll probably have the Shane match at the beginning with Kevin, right? And then right after that, they'll, because it's the WWE, they'll follow it up with a W, like you know, a women's match or something. And that's not the right place to put that. Like, put the cruiserweight match there, get people keep keep people lifted up, and then you know another match, probably the Goldberg match in between, and then go to your women's matches so that the crowd's a little more ready for it or something. Because like I don't know, whenever they do the pre-show and you put the cruiserweights on first, they have this great match, and then I get some kind of shitty fucking tag match that last, like, three minutes and it had some kind of fuck finish.
0: <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, when you're eating and it, something's very tasty and then you get to, like, a spice, like a pepper, and you just bite it. And you're like, "Oh, that was terrible. It's Like, you know, you're enjoying the food and you don't want the pepper spice to ruin it right afterwards. Right, that was a I terrible mean, it's, example.
1: It's, I, I hate that, like, WWE has, is so form formulaic with how they do their pre-show and their actual shows because if you if the cruiserweight match is on at the beginning you can pretty much book the rest of the entire fucking card like that basically means that the Brock match will be at the end and probably the Kofi match will be at the beginning and then they'll do like a women's match and then they'll do like Kevin versus Shane and then the Goldberg match and then whatever the fuck you know then the heavyweight title match and that's what they'll do they'll make that little championship sandwich that they always make. And they do this on every fucking pay-per-view. Like, go back and watch it. Like, if the Cruiserweights are on first, that I almost guarantee that's how that fucking thing is going to get laid out. Oh, yeah. Completely agree with you. Alright, so once...
0: I don't know what the next match is going to be in the pre-show, and realize, there's a lot of this. This is this is ten matches. They took two matches off of this, which I'm pretty sure one of them was the Shinsuke Ali match, and one of them was the Aleister Black... Um, Sammy Sammy's match. Uh, but the ta neither tag belts are gonna be on this from what from what the lineup that we have in front of us. Um, what else is missing? Actually the women's tag too. So none. None of the tag team championships. The intercontinental championships not on here. There was something else that stood out. Oh, and I don't know I don't think Roman Reigns and Dan O'Brien, if that were was the original plan, whenever Vince rewrote Smackdown, which apparently he did. Uh, we have it from very good sources, uh, well, Brian, Brian Alvarez and Dave Metzer, which is one of these sources. Um, then I guess this who done it might continue, or at least the feud between Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns won't start now because apparently it was going to be Roman and Samoa Joe versus Daniel Bryan and Rowan, which still would have been put together very. Uh, you know, way too fucking rapid and quick. But I'm just saying before we move on to the rest of the matches on the main card subject to change, they might've already changed it just now on Facebook. I'm going to check. Chris, do you have any statements to say about any of that stuff I just talked
1: about? I mean, I, I'm just assuming that the tag match will get added to the pre-show and that the show will end up being like six hours long. Like it always is honestly. And you know, with Vince rewriting SmackDown the past two weeks on the fly, who the fuck knows what this card is going to look like. I, I'm assuming they're going to continue. I mean, you got, there's no way they're not going to have Roman on the pay-per-view for SummerSlam. So they're going to do something with Roman. Um, more than likely, they'll announce a match or announce a segment with Roman probably tomorrow or Friday leading into uh, – <laughs> leading into whatever the hell they're gonna do on on Sunday, but I I just can't see him not being on the pay per view and it, it, the tag match will probably end up being like some kind of four way tag match or something on the pre show with a with a fuck finish like I said earlier. Yeah, I agree with you.
0: Well, let's start this off. We got the uh, U.S. Championship match, uh, AJ Styles versus Ricochet. There can probably be some tomfoolery, some bullshit because of the uh, the club. Uh, so, good chance AJ is going to win this against Ricochet, continue the feud. Uh, what they're doing is they're elevating the damn title. And I don't think they're going to flip-flop it by going right directly back on Ricochet. I think Ricochet is going to have to work for it, build this up more so than it is. Gives Ricochet, a chance to work with one of the best, it's a win-win within that situation. Who knows, though? He could beat Ricochet and then... He makes him go against uh, Oni Lorcan next after he loses. <laughs> so I'm just saying logic versus what could happen due to Vince changing his mind last
1: minute. Chris, who do you think is going to win between AJ and Ricochet? Uh, I don't know for sure, but I really wish this was on takeover so that I could see both of those guys actually oh give one of the matches would expect out of those two. Um, I think it'll be a good match. I think, the, you know, if you don't get the tag match on the pre-show, this will be the run-in match because I, I don't I, – I, a lot like you, um, this is a, this match has DQs, right? So champion advantage, I just feel like this is one of those matches where they're going to do some kind of tomfoolery Fuller, and involve either the Usos or the New Day, and uh, Ricochet will, you know, be getting a beatdown, and one of those tag teams will make the save, especially if they're not going to have a – A tag team match, but uh, if that happens, Ricochet technically wins by DQ, so that's what I'm going to go with.
0: Yep. All right, this is the big one I think for a lot of people because this is the first showing of the Fiend Bray Wyatt, and he'll be going against Finn Balor. Uh, This is my prediction: Finn's leaving after this, so he's losing. If Finn Balor is coming out as his his quote-unquote human form, the Fiend's going to eat him. For lunch destroy him if he surprisingly which usually they would advertise for this so i doubt it's gonna happen but if he surprisingly comes out as a demon it will probably be a closer match but the demon will have its first loss for the fiend being able to kind of set that up for later on for him to avenge it either way finn's going to take time off they can either go two routes when he comes back go more into the demon and have him go against the fiend and avenge himself you know either losing very quickly or having the, the demon paint or whatever the fuck and having a good match. Or they could say, fuck that, and just put him with the club and make him be the fucking rock and roller and fucking more Prince David and more of like a badass anti heelish version that we've never seen him do in WWE. And he can wear the fucking the the, the, the paint if he wants to, like they let Gallows just do on this last uh, SmackDown, which was a damn good match. Who did they go against? I don't remember, but that was a, that was a good. But Gallows and Anderson had a good match. I forgot who it was. Anyways, Chris, who's going – well, is The Fiend going to beat uh, Finn Balor or Demon Finn Balor, I should say?
1: Uh, I, I'm assuming that he's just going to be Finn Balor, and I'm hoping that Bray Wyatt turns him into like a puppet or something, and then they do some kind of demon storyline down the road. Um, if they don't go that route, have him be the demon and just have Bray fucking beat him. Like, we don't need the – like, the demon pay-per-view streak is meaningless. It's not Taker's WrestleMania streak. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care that he's won all of his matches as a demon because I saw him definitely dressed as a demon lose in NXT. So, like, it doesn't doesn't fucking matter to me. (laughs) Let's be realistic here,
2: Okay.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying, uh, like, I don't know, put him as a demon and have the fiend kill him, and then that makes, I don't, that makes for me, you can get rid of that, and you can have Prince Devitt join the club, and that, to me, is a more interesting story than the demon. I know everyone likes the face paint, and it is cool, and he does bring more intensity when he wrestles
0: like that, but
1: uh, if you're going to do it, I still think that you just have to have him get destroyed by, by Bray, and I, I feel like we're going to see Bray multiple times on the show, which we'll get to a little later here.
0: And I hope you're right about that, man. All right, so Owen, uh, uh, Kevin Owens' career is on the line when Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon go against each other. I thought these guys set it up really well on SmackDown. I'll even give it for Shane. throwing the thing. Like, I don't know if Kevin Owens, like, look, when we're out there, just fucking hit me. Quit being, like, don't, like, actually hit me, because even the slaps to the face after you put the table over him and was kicking him and being like, you're not going to be my problem anymore, like the intensity, they set this matchup great. There's going to be something stupid that's going to happen that Shane's going to put his body on the line for no reason. It's probably going to be chaotic. Kevin Owens is going to win. There's no way, I mean, especially now that Shane literally, and I thought it was pretty funny too when Kevin Owens was like, I think you should put your career on the line. And he's like, yeah, it's going to have to be emphatic new. Like, Shane's got good delivery. We're sick of seeing him. We're not going to lose him. This is just a grudge match, whatever. KO gets a win over him, and then we figure it out. I don't know. Chris, what do you think?
1: I'm not necessarily sick of seeing Shane in this role. I just didn't like when he was feuding with The Miz and, like, six other people at the same time. But if Shane is going to take a loss here and then just kind of steer, like, lackeys and maybe pick up, a you know, one or two more lackeys with Elias and, and Drew McIntyre, I don't have as much of a problem with that because I'm assuming that if, if Kevin Owens beats him here, this that's not going to be the end of this because that's not what they're trying to do. I mean, they're trying to channel Boston um, in some ways. So I'm assuming that this, you know, Shane will end up bringing someone else in um, hell, maybe even a whole group of people or something, <laughs> maybe even uh, like, I don't know, hiring the club and like having them be a part I of it. I, like, yeah, I mean that, then you get, you know, Owens versus AJ instead of, you know, Owens versus Shane. Um obviously if he beat Shane, I'm thinking McIntyre's next and they'll just have to keep going with this thing. But uh yeah, I think that that Kevin Owens is gonna win, but does this match have like a special guest referee and an outside enforcer or something? No, they did it on SmackDown. I don't know, maybe I'm
0: wrong. They they did that with like Kevin There Kevin Owens when he's going against Roman Reigns and it was, like, stacked against them because Elias was the referee. Uh, uh, okay, Shane yeah, was that's, a, what, that's what it was. Keeper, something like that. Um, okay. but yeah, I do Well, agree they should have saved me. that They're, for
1: this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and then have him overcome the odds. Like, that would have made more sense. But well, whatever. I mean, I think this will be a good match. Um, and you're probably right. Kevin Owens is probably like, look, dude, just fucking hit me. like. <laughs> He, he was, was legitimately punching punch.
0: him, and I was like, "Man, has actually punch someone for real? Like that wasn't even a terrible wor- working punch. He literally just hit him because he can't do a working punch. He fucking makes him look like,
1: oh, he's terrible. If, if, if only they, you know, had two people in their company, like you know Jeff Jarrett and <laughs> Jerry <laughs> the King Lawler, they could teach this fucker how to throw a punch. <laughs> or maybe they've tried and it's just impossible. I don't know." <laughs>
0: No, you're not supposed to actually hit them. You're supposed to make it look like you're nailing the shove, but you stop yourself completely. No, you look like you have rubber hands. What are you doing? (laughs) Terrible. God damn it, Shane. I'm
1: going
2: to fire you.
1: I mean, I get he's trying to do the Ali thing, but like it looks like shit when he goes into the Ali mode thing. It just looks awful. It's 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 actually worse than it was in 2000. (laughs) Like I don't know how that's possible, but...
0: Oh, that's some shade. You are worse than you did it back in 2000, Shane. Jesus right. Uh, at least he's getting better at the uh the coast to coast. I'll give him that. Uh, Charlotte Flair going against Trish Stratus. Uh, this seems to me well, this seems to me like a paper. This is my last match concept. You know what I'm saying? Like very very thin because. Like, they usually make a big deal. Like, if Trish wants to come back in another year or, and go against someone, she can come back and make it look like that's going to be her last match. It's up to her, basically. Um, or maybe they're they're pulling the current Angle, but Trish is pretty damn good shape. We'll find out when she performs in the ring with Charlotte, you know, what it's like. But this is a great fucking match. We all want to see this. Trish in incredible shape. She was one of the top performers all around from her generation, and she didn't start off that way. She fucking worked on it and got better, you know, and then she's going against Charlotte Flair. Charlotte's going to get the win. It's going to be an awesome match. This is what you should do when you have a legend go against a modern talent uh, is what I think they're going to do, unless they decide to make the feud more bigger and extend it. I don't see them doing that. I think that Trish is going to lose
1: in Toronto, Um, But what do you think, Chris? I mean, the only way Trish gets a win here is if she's sticking around for one more pay-per-view to go against Becky. Like, that's the only way that makes sense to me. Exactly. Um, But yeah, I'm assuming that she's going to lose here, probably in a hard-fought match, and I think it will be the better of the women's matches, like, easily. Um, (laughs) I've watched Trish's last match, and the few times that she's in a battle royal, and, like... Charlotte's incredible at selling. So just like when they threw her in with Becky and Rhonda, she's like a safety net for this kind of match in a lot of ways. Just like, you know, like you put Shawn Michaels in a match with pretty much anyone, it's going to be a decent match. That's kind of where Charlotte Flair is as a female wrestler. Yep. I was was actually
0: about to put an example that this is different, and I could see Trish coming back. But if this is Trish's last match and she puts a lot into this, into building this, this is kind of has a similar to feel to Shawn Michaels Rick Flair of Charlotte. You know, obviously there is an age difference between Trish right now and, and Rick, and she can probably do a lot more, but like, Shaw's going to make sure Trish has a Trish match no matter
1: what, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, Trish, 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 Trish has uh, got all that yoga, so she's in a lot better shape than Flair. So I'm assuming will, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. as far as in ring goes, I'm assuming it'll be. Pretty, pretty good. Um, like I said, the only way she wins this is if they're putting her against Becky. What, I mean, if you wanted to do something really cool, and I don't know if Trish is, wants to be this involved in wrestling, but if you want to give her something from the past to do, go with almost like the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat storyline where he was winning, yeah. like, you know, repeated matches, and then then you have someone like, I don't know, maybe Baszler um, show up and kick her ass. And then you build a star that way, because I, I mean, like, it's gonna be cool. Flair wins, but it's it's Flair's already super she over, and forward. probably yeah, she's Charlotte fucking Flair. Like, it, this would be more meaningful for someone probably a little smaller, but it'll be a good match, and I look forward to it. I love Trish, uh, ever since I was like twelve, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll be excited for this one.
0: Me too.
1: I had many WWE
0: magazines. Ah, oh, Lord. Oh, and anyways, um. So then we have the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Bailey and Ember Moon. Look, I think Ember Moon's going to get the championship belt. I love Bailey. She's just she's she's fucking vanilla, man. That that the audience is just dead to her. I think they should really just let her take a little bit of time off at least, and then try to reinvent her or do something different with her. Like here, even as champion, she's a good championship holder because she's. Reliable as far as an in-ring hand, but her character is not resonating, I don't think, with a lot of people uh, the way it used to because they've completely yeah. – they've they've kiboshed her. It's just like Braun Strowman, same type of concept, uh, Rusev, just put her own gimmick that got her over naturally against her until it kills them.
1: Yeah. I You know, if she took time off, the best thing to do would be for her to let Bray Wyatt in. And then come back with like a rosemary type gimmick or something. Oh Sister <laughs> Abigail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she can be possessed by Sister Abigail. Get Tom Savini on the line. He's done a pretty good job helping out with this brace shit, so <laughs> let's let's see what we can do. <laughs> what's the what's the this is, uh, manager's name? Um God damn it, I can't remember. What, Bruce uh Bruce Mitchell?
0: Yeah, yeah. Get Mitchell on the phone, you know, to try to help out the whole entire situation. Him and him and um and Kevin Sullivan can craft this all together. Him, and him, Kevin, and Tom Savini. <laughs> God. Yeah,
1: but I. I all want to hang aside, out I, four I of agree
2: with. But...
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I'd also like to see Bailey hanging out with the four of them, just because that would be fucking weird. <laughs> but yeah, I think you'd be scared. She wouldn't hug any of them. <laughs> Maybe Paul. Paul is a really nice guy. Paul, <laughs> oh, come here, really. Paul oh, for
2: everyone.
1: Uh, I, I actually think Ember Moon wins here, and she deserves it after being the only female on the fucking roster that knows how to sell a sharpshooter. Boom. <laughs> I'm still pissed. Dad, I'm, still, I'm still pissed about this Becky Lynch selling her knee after getting put in the sharpshooter. What the fuck? <laughs> Well, now that you brought her up, let's talk about
0: that match because we have uh, the champion, Becky Lynch, the man who they've been kind of putting more... I, I want to say Paul Heyman probably has a lot to do with it. Get her away her from Seth. Put her back to being this like kind of on-the-line badass who will like do whatever she wants. She picked a fight with Natty. Natty got mad. Natty's not the best at promos. I love Natalia still. She's still a badass and ring wrestler. Uh, but... They're going for it, for the belt. Becky's going to win this. I I don't see – unless something happens, but still. All right, there is a chance maybe Ronda Rousey comes up and causes some shit, but I still think that Becky will inevitably be be the champ because what the hell would you do? Then put Becky with no belt against Ronda Rousey and put it
1: on Natalia? No, it makes no sense whatsoever. So Becky's got to win this belt, right? Yeah, I agree with you. Even if you're you're bringing – Ronda back, which I don't think that's going to happen, but even if she was coming back, it would make Ronda look weak if she interfered in the match. She would just wait till after and then beat the shit out of Becky. That would make more sense, right? So, yeah, I I agree with you. I think Becky's probably going to retain here. Yeah, I don't see them going a different route.
0: All right. Well, before we get to two championship matches, we have one other match uh, that we got to talk about. And uh, Bill Goldberg coming back. He's going against Dolph Ziggler. Now, I... Hey, Undertaker, who is a better entering hand than Bill Goldberg, don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying before I say it. But he got his chance to redeem himself with that Saudi Arabia stuff that was pretty much Goldberg's fault for accidentally giving himself a concussion um, abruptly within the match. And then from there, it just became just the drizzling shit. So, Goldberg wants to... I mean, he went out really well. I hate to say that, but Coming back, beating Brock out of nowhere, and then destroying Kevin Owens, gaining the universal championship, and then losing it to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania after having a pretty damn good short match. Not a bad way to go out. Came back to Saudi Arabia. He wants to redeem himself. I feel like Shawn Michaels is going to do the same thing, by the way. Anyways, um, and uh, Bill Goldberg, he's going uh, against Dolph Ziggler. I don't know how how the fuck does this help Dolph Ziggler if, if Dolph Ziggler, you know, Wins it doesn't so he's not going to we know that so Goldberg squashed him we're not going to give a shit now you have Dolph who is a damn good bump and feeder so he's going to be able to perform like that so maybe you can get a match out of him but really lacklustering if you're trying to make this your redemption match because we know that you're not as good a performer you know and that's 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 the Undertaker it's, it's no offense Bill but I mean you're not. So you're not going to be able to get that much of a redemption. And Dawson be able to sell like you, but you're not doing anything for him. He's already fucked. So this could be for someone like Drew McIntyre to get a win over Bill Goldberg and retire him, and you don't. Instead, you give Baron Corbin that option, fucking WrestleMania or Kurt Angle. I'm just going to keep on bitching about this. So so we don't run out of
1: time and because we have two more matches, Chris. What do you think? I think Goldberg beats... Fucking Ziggler in less than two minutes and does Goldberg's greatest hits, and that's what Goldberg's good at it uh, good at, and that's the kind of match I would want to see Goldberg in. The only person that's ever had a good match with Goldberg that's lasted more than five minutes was Brock Lesnar, like if I'm being completely honest, and that was just because he just beat the shit out of Goldberg for seven minutes. I mean he took one spear through a barricade and then beat the shit out of him outside of that like I can't think of a good like Goldberg match that lasted more than like four four to five minutes, so I'm assuming it's going to be a two minute match. Um, bold prediction, I think that after the match the fiend shows up, Mandible calls Goldberg and, and puts him away. Um they've kind of been setting it up with him attacking these other legends, so it, it makes a lot of sense, especially if he wins over Finn, uh, for that to for that to be the thing.
2: Oh man.
0: You make me like hope that like just just for one time stings on Monday Night Raw to just be an attraction, so Breaking him can have a face-off and he fucking mandible claws him out and kills him like all the other legends. Don't take out Sean though. We need him for a little longer. Anyways, let's go to these championship matches.
1: Cuffy Kingston, hey, champion.
0: Real real what quick, I correctly? think
1: as... I said real quick as he starts to kill these, like, legends off, like the past two, he should get puppets of all of them through the Funhouse. Oh, my God. And they should keep the Funhouse going.
0: Can you write that'd be for awesome. them, man? Can, can you, can you <laughs> write for WWE? Yeah. <laughs> I wish <laughs> that would be so awesome. Now I just want like I want all of them. Like the only ones that wouldn't happen to probably is Triple H. Yeah, no, no, sorry. I work in the back, so you're not gonna fucking kill me. I'm I'm, I'm gonna win against you with a shovel. Um, let's go in these matches. Uh, so we got Kofi, who's the champion. He's going against Randy Orton. Uh, kudos to Randy Orton's wife. What uh, they might have fucking pre-recorded, or this might have been staged, but. She made it look like she got her husband on camera going right next to his pool and he was kind of like putting his hands in the water. He got up and she RKO'd the shit out of him into the water. So I really hope that she actually did that to Randy. That's hilarious that that happened. Either way, Randy's going to lose the cup of Kingston. They've, they've built this up in a very short amount of time, but actually with the video packages, they did a lot. It's weird how that works. And I, I really believe the rivalry, even if they have made amends, is still there and the – The aggression level, uh, you know, between the two of them is still there, and that's because of this. And this would be Kofi's ultimate win, you know, to kind of solidify, I think, his championship. To me, next person he goes against, I think it's much more possible that he'll lose that. But I think he's got to beat Randy, unless they're really stretching this out. Randy's going to get the title, piss a lot of people off. And then have Kofi chase for it because it's always a compelling story as fucking WWE and compelling stories means that that's what the writers will come up with. And then Vince will crumble it up and then do the same thing. And then maybe dance naked on the roof of Titan tower.
1: Chris, what do you think? I actually think Kofi is going to win trouble in paradise. I thought the video packages were really good and probably better than Randy Orton actually cutting a promo uh, live. So I actually enjoyed that build, and I think Kofi gets the win here, and whoever beats him will probably be someone like, you know, Drew McIntyre, um, or like a Bray Wyatt or something, because at the end of the day, they're trying to get Kevin Owens at, at, to, the, to the top there, so I'm assuming, you know, Drew might be the guy that gets the title off Kofi.
2: God, I want,
0: now I want Fiend with the championship going against KO. Oy. Craziness. Alright, last match. We got Brock Lesnar versus I don't know what the fuck they did to Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins wasn't this broken at all, and they really fucking broke him. And his shit that he did online did not help the whole entire concept now because people are just—they're doing the what? Chance? They're booing him, Chris, for the the Universal Championship he just lost from you know uh, Brock cashing in. Uh, And uh, yeah, I mean. I don't see I mean, he, he,
1: he came out like a fucking geek and got destroyed. Like, why would he do that? Like, what, like uh, you're supposed to feel, like, I guess you're supposed to feel sympathetic for him or whatever. But, like, he was beaten and broken already. And then he just came out and got his ass kicked again. Dude, so, like, I thought the motherfucker was going to pull
0: a Willy Wonka. I thought he was coming out with a chair and then he was going to get to the ring, smile, do, like, something to prove that he's not that hurt. Because he's been at fucking house shows, so he's really not. And just get in the ring and use the chair against Brock, Now, which would have been stupid because the only way, reason he's been able to beat Brock or get the better of him is low blows and fucking chair shots, which he's the baby face, but that promo sucked afterwards too. It was so monotone and not sympathetic, and I just wanted to punch him. And Seth is one of my favorite wrestlers on WWE. What the fuck? He is... He's as cooled down as Roman was a year and a half ago, like I said. He might be worse because the kids, I think, still liked Roman back then.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're going to do this. You should have just had him do something similar to what Stone Cold would have done, which is attack Brock when Brock least expected it, and the crowd would have popped for that. But trying to just – like getting his ass kicked two weeks in a row is not going to help him, and like I (laughs) – I when just the don't fuck see him winning
0: man has Seth Rollins been Ricky Steamboat or Rey Mysterio? when the fuck is he ever projected? like I'm gonna try guys, you know i'm just, i'm I'm battered, it happens to the best of us, but no, he's always been much more intense and aggressive, and a, kind of a dick, but like we like it, like just make him go heel. I don't care if you gotta trade Samoa Joe as a babyface for fucking Seth Rollins heel, do it
1: i <laughs> I don't fucking know man I don't even know i mean anymore. it would make it would, it would it would have made more sense if. Like, if you're going to have him be sympathetic, then I I don't know. Like, well, nothing would have worked in this situation because he got demolished by Brock the, the week before. So I don't know how you even book your way out of this. You, you literally needed him to attack Brock from behind to kind of even the odds. And him winning at SummerSlam makes Brock look weak at this point. So I don't think they'll do that.
0: They literally, like, slowly got him with – people that made him just more and more boring and less appealing between feuds with Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. And then they put him with Becky and cut off his balls in front of everyone. And now they've just completely let Brock completely flatten him like a pancake. I just, on, on the way out, we got like two minutes, but I just have to say, I think it's monumental that even the guy's WWE's tried to push. I'm not talking about Daniel Bryan, who's probably the biggest, or like even a Rusev where the audience had the reaction and, and Vince was like, that wasn't my idea. Fuck it. You know, I'm talking about straight up Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Becky, Seth Rollins. They become big and it's like, ah, let's do something. I've got to fuck it up. Like how? How does this happen every time?
1: I I really don't know the, like the only two people that they've gotten right in the past since WrestleMania has been the fiend and the very strong booking of Kofi Kingston outside of that, everything else has been kind of, kind of terrible. Um, putting, you know, Becky and, and God, uh, Becky and Seth with Baron and Lacey for two months was not a fucking good idea, (laughs) especially not coming out of a win against Rhonda. Like that was a terrible idea. Um, just real quick, I mean, if you wanted to make Seth sympathetic, you should have done it when he came back from the knee injury instead of having him do a heel turn against Finn Balor. Then he would have been your sympathetic babyface. But right now he needs to be a cocky dick that people want to get behind. Um, and uh, yeah, he's pretty, they pretty much fucked that up. So I think he's done. Actually, I would have Brock injure him and then let him sit out for a while. <clears throat> Fake injury, obviously, well- but...
0: I agree with yeah. you, uh, but we got to wrap this up. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Check us out Wednesday, 7 p.m., EST, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And tell me what you think and Chris thinks about SummerSlam and TakeOver. Let's talk about it. You guys have a good night. Thank you so much. Peace out, and let the Geek GeekVisor be with you.